0: Today we have a special guest, and her name is Lucretia Slater, and she is an Army veteran, social worker, beautiful mother, and wife, and she is going to talk to us about mental health. And um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, first, thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited (laughs) to be here. Um, But yes, I'm Lucretia Slater, and I'm all of what you said. (laughs) I am originally from Florida, but once I joined the military, I just kind of traveled around and decided to settle here in uh, Clarksville, Tennessee with my husband and two girls. One is about to be 20. Oh my gosh. I, I just, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I still, I'm still having a hard time. I find myself looking at baby pictures and.
0: Oh, I bet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I have a 20 year old and I have an eight year old. Um, both who keep me on my toes and I am retired military well medically retired military and I've been pursuing my degree in social work which so far I have my undergrad my bachelor's degree and I'm now pursuing my master's degree
0: and I want to specialize what a great achievement wow
1: (laughs) thank you it took long (laughs) enough it took long enough but I got it (laughs) and um, now I want to, in addition to my master's, I want to focus on mental health and faith as well as trauma um, as it pertains to women between the ages of 18 and 40 years old. And uh, let me see what else. I also wrote a book. And I I read
0: it's beautiful. You did an excellent Uh job. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I speak on occasions, but more so I will do guest features on blog posts. Um, I write for a magazine. It's a print magazine company, the Truly Co, which is amazing. And, um, yeah.
0: Nice. So what made you get into mental health? Was there some kind of personal story that happened? You know, what, what really grabbed your heart?
1: Well, um, you know, it's funny because for years, I actually watched my mom suffer through mental illness, but I didn't know what it was. Um, she actually attempted suicide with me in the car. She was going to drive off of a bridge when I was about 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And from that, she was institutionalized for about three months. And I had no idea what that was because in the Black community, that mental health is just, it, it's taboo and so um had no idea what it was until several several years later when i had my own mental health um i guess experience i had not well it was years after i had, had my first deployment but i started feeling things and experiencing things and so when i got back on my second deployment in 2010 um, that's when I had my encounter with my very first therapist. And I just realized there, were, there was a lot of disconnects, a lot of holes. And um, I stopped the whole mental health journey because I was like, well, this isn't for me. I'm not crazy. I'm not any of those things they are trying to label me as I can handle it. You know, and it wasn't until 2015 when I started my formal journey with mental health because I knew that whatever was happening in, in my mind, it wasn't normal. So, um, that started me on a personal journey towards my mental health and mental wellness.
0: Wow. Wow. That is, um, such a, you know, touching story about your mother. Um, just because you know that my first husband had died by suicide. So I think, you know, us learning about what um, people are feeling and um, what to say to them. So over the years, have you learned how to deal with suicide and and mental health um, situations like yours?
1: Absolutely. Um, Suicide, I haven't had many encounters after my mom's experience, but as it pertains to mental health, Definitely. Um, One of the major things that I have learned is empathy. Empathy goes a very long way with those who are suffering from a mental illness and also just being very careful with what we say and how we say it. And even when we say it. Absolutely. Um, and, And really just being willing to sit in that very uncomfortable space with those who are suffering that to me those things to me are so vital as it pertains to mental illness and mental health
0: right so when you were describing that you were having feelings i think a lot of times people don't realize that it is their mental health that's at stake because they don't really know how to express it when you were saying your feelings, what does that feel like? Just so the listeners, you know, if they're dealing with something and they don't know what that is, um, can you kind of describe what that feels like?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, the thing about it is at one point, all of us have uh, those dark feelings. You know, all of us, we get low, you know, we get low in our emotions and we get sad and, you know, we just feel very discouraged. But the difference between getting sad and being discouraged is getting out of it, you know, for those who, cause I, um, I was diagnosed with moderate depression, PTSD, and anxiety disorder. And so the difference is when you get into those emotions, the sadness and the discouragement, but you can't get out. So there were several times when, um, my husband, I like to use this uh, metaphor, I guess there's several times where he had to kind of peel me off the couch with the spatula, you know, or there was just something that he had to do to to kind of get me out of it. And sometimes that didn't even work. So I think the biggest, um, if we had to add descriptors to these feelings is that you feel like you are in a dark place and you cannot get out. You feel stuck. You feel isolated. You feel um, just like everything is caving in on you. And, To add on top of that, to a degree, you don't even want to get out. Mm. You just want to stay there because it's like it's too much to try to fight to get out anyway. So I might as well just stay here.
0: Okay. And so for your journey, what do you recommend since you've gone through these situations? What do you recommend if someone was feeling that way?
1: One of the biggest things I recommend is to talk about it. Isolation... um, Isolation is a very big enemy when it comes to mental illness, because as much as is being talked about now, it is still so taboo and, and it makes people feel uncomfortable because the thing is, a lot of people are fixers. They want to try to fix a situation quickly or they may have good intentions, but just say the wrong things, you know, so they won't say anything at all. But if someone is wrestling with a mental illness, the best thing you could do at a baseline level is share that. Share that with someone who is healthy, who you trust, and um, just get honest. Get honest and and let people know where you are in your your mental space. That's at a baseline level.
0: That is such a great way that you just put it. I mean, I'm just speechless because that's exactly what the campaign ask and prevent. It's Asking, But I love that you're tapping into, okay, if you're dealing with it, go to someone that you trust, go to someone and tell them how you're feeling. And sometimes those people still do not know how to handle it. So don't give up even then. Um, so with that being said, you know, that I started, um, a nonprofit hope gatekeepers. And so where do you think, um, America as a whole is, um, has leaks. We're, you know, we have other organizations that have been around for generations, and um, it seems like it's still rising in suicide rates and mental illnesses. Where do you think there's leaks? Where Where do you find that there's problems?
1: Well, from well, first, congratulations. I am so happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I really believe, from the research that I've been doing, um, there's a huge disconnect between the low-income community, the low-income population, and mental health. Um, I also see leaks or, um, yeah, I see leaks between, like, the church and mental health also. You know, I know that sometimes that doesn't sit well with people because a lot of people are professing believers, Christians, and the last thing they want to hear is that there's a disconnect between mental health and the church, Um, but I also think there is a very big disparity between certain racial ethnic groups and mental health also. Um, I do believe we've come a long way with mental health and talking about it and advocacy and organizations, but I think that when we, as Americans, we have to get to the heart of the situation. We have to get to the heart of the origins of mental health as it pertains to certain people groups. Like, for example, I'll use Black people. There's historical trauma that's re- between, related between Black Americans and mental health. And so the reason why the numbers are so off-putting, when you look at statistics, you see that statistics will say that there is a rise in mental health in Black people But when you look at the number of black people who are actually utilizing Hmm. um, mental health tools and, you know, um, and assistance, you see there's a huge disconnect. And so I think there's a lot of cultural competence that's lacking in the mental health field. And there's a lot of I, I would venture to say there's still a lot of empathy that's lacking, too, because when you look at someone who's low income, right? and you see their life you see what they i mean they have low paying job they have multiple kids they may be on government assistance now for those of us who have lived in that we can understand that is stressful and poverty is also is is tends to be one of the driving forces towards mental health so when you look at that you start to see like this cycle You know, you start to see this cycle that's forming. And I believe as America, we can do better by addressing those things, those socioeconomic issues so that people are better educated on the benefits of mental health and they can, they have a better chance at getting out of that cycle of poverty. I hope that makes sense. Yes,
0: it it makes sense. And so with Becoming a social worker, um, how do you think that you're gonna implement everything you've learned um, for the community? Where Where is that leading you to?
1: Well, um, there, there are so many people who are out here um, speaking. So I kind of see me as just joining ranks of those who have already started the groundwork. So as I mentioned earlier, I wanna specialize in faith and mental wellness as it concerns the black community um, because, Um, I remember probably back 2015, maybe, yeah, 2014, 2015, around the beginning time of, of me actually taking mental health seriously, Mm -hmm. I thought that I could speak to a couple of ladies in my church about, um, some of the things that I I was wrestling with and the answers I got were, um, your faith is weak, excuse me, your faith is weak. You're not praying enough that's demonic there's no such thing as mental health or mental illness as a christian i left those conversations feeling worse than when i got into them and i said this could this this can't be right but i left questioning my faith i left questioning okay well god is there something wrong with me is there something wrong with my faith and After years of work and years of just wrestling this thing out with God and having conversations with um, other healthy people, I realized there is a disconnect. And so where I fit in is just to get the knowledge that I've learned and help spread the word either through uh, blogs, speaking, teaching, whatever it takes to educate the church, to know that sometimes, yes, it is, we believe in God. We believe that he's capable of healing. We believe in all of that, but let's not, um, dismiss the fact that some people really wrestle with mental illness and how, and maybe to teach them how to properly handle cases, Right. you know, handle people as they come. They're, they're not coming looking for you to fix them. They're coming because they don't know what to do and they believe they can trust to talk to you about it. But no one should be leaving a conversation like that feeling worse off than when they entered that conversation. So if I could just shed some light education, education and, you know, just really just to to teach them, hey, sometimes that's not That's not the way, right. That's not the way, right. You know?
0: Yeah. I think that the, the church does need some type of program to be taught to, you know, I'm sure that there are churches that are starting to do it, which I commend on them. Um, But it is something that I think, um, because you know, when we're getting a desperate um, time in our lives, we tend to, to run to the church and so um, just being educated um, and bringing awareness, I, I just so agree with that. Um, for the Black community, what do you think is really keeping the Black community from not um, seeking help? Is it something that came from the tradition of, hey, you know, you shouldn't feel this way, get over it? What, what do you think that is?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to give cliff notes to this. Okay. But <laughs> um, there are several things that keep the Black community from seeking mental help. One, as I mentioned earlier, the historical trauma that, that took place um, as early back as slavery. And, you know, one of the things that researchers have kind of um, caught hold of is this study of epigenetics. And epigenetics is, is pretty much, it says that the trauma that our ancestors experienced, th- that trauma actually places markers on our dna and it's carried forward into modern times you know and so what happens is through um through generations as it pertains to slavery our ancestors they just dealt with it they dealt with it because they realized going to get help i'm worse off going to get help so i'm just gonna stay where i am do what needs to be done um put up with the beatings and all these things. And so as they're raising their children, they're raising their children, be strong. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Don't worry about it. And then as their children are raising their children, be strong. You can do it. Don't worry about it. You see what I mean? And so there's just this pattern that took place over generations. And so bringing that forward People might not have a clue that, oh, well, my ancestors didn't get mental help and this is why I can't get mental help. They might not have a clue of that, but there's genetic evidence that proves that sometimes without people's knowledge, this is why they're responding to something the way they do. Another issue is, like I also mentioned, the low income situation. People, black people are one of the poorest in America. They can't afford proper insurance. And if they manage to get some sort of insurance, they don't get adequate treatment because of the biases that exist in the medical field. So and then another aspect is the racial disconnect. A lot of black people will see a white counselor and say, what can you do for me? You don't understand my struggle. You don't know what I'm going through and according to some studies there's less than two percent of black psychiatrists black therapists in the psychological field and so trying to find if you have all those other things in place you have the money you have the resources you have the good coverage but now you're lacking on trying to find that therapist that looks like you that can relate to you the chances of that person seeking out therapy is pretty slim
0: you know I, i've never even um thought of that you it, it some of the similarities I've noticed in the Mexican, uh, Mexican community is the fact of like, you know, men are raised to be um, macho and you can't cry. Mm-hmm. I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm married to one. So um, he's, he's having to learn, you know, to be able to express himself in a way that, um, you know, we can understand, you know, because he's taught not to cry. And so whenever yeah. he's dealing with anything in life, I don't know if he's sad, if he's happy. So um, mm-hmm. I can totally relate to that. Um, I'm actually, my, my mom is white and my dad is Mexican. So I'm a, you know, I'm, this is me. I'm blended. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens. And so I kind of have a little bit of Learning from both backgrounds mm-hmm. of what happens with, in the mental illness. Um, my um, biological father was um, diagnosed with um, bipolar. So he is on medication and stuff. So I, I've seen that. And he didn't know how to express himself. And he never went mm. to try to get therapy. Because you just don't do that. You, you don't yeah. go and seek help. you got to figure it out on your own. Um, surprisingly, yep. he um, went when he was you know, in his adult years to find help. Um, so thank God for that but um, I just thank you so much for just touching on everything you know the church um, the faith the black community and now we're talking about the Mexican community and every community whether you're black white or Mexican we all have some type of issue that needs to be rectified and I really love the fact that um, you just really touched on everything that I think people need to hear about what's going on in your community. And so that way, you know, hopefully somebody will listen to this and say, Hey, you know what? I really relate to what you're saying. And yeah, you know what? I need help. And, you know, I think we probably need to pray for, um, more therapists for the black community. I, I never, really, yes. I did not see that. So, um, thank you so much for teaching me that. Cause we're, we're constantly learning and I think if we're open-minded to be able to listen to everybody's point of view and come together and learn a different perspective and that's what I just did. And I just thank you so much for this time. Um, for Hope Gatekeepers, um, what what do you see um, for the future um, and, and why did you wanna come on the podcast and be part of this?
1: Well, I what, actually, what I've been following Um, you for a while and just, you know, seeing bits of your story. And I can't remember when it was, but you mentioned about your uh, previous husband's suicide and that just kind of stuck with me. And then um, I believe you and your daughter had a podcast or were interviewed on a podcast.
0: Right.
1: And listening to that podcast, it was so refreshing because, um, you know, even Those of us who don't necessarily wrestle with mental illness, but we have family members who do, sometimes we feel like it's best to just keep that to ourselves Mm -hmm. and not really talk about it because uh, for various reasons, you know, um, there could be guilt associated to it. Well, what Mm -hmm. didn't I do? What could I have done? You know, um, shame, of course, shame will just imprison. Gosh, it's such a it's such a terrible prisoner or prison yes. <laughs> it keeps you in prison oh yeah and when i learned that you were working on this project hope gatekeepers i knew that it would be such a blessing to <clears throat> everyone but especially like you mentioned mexican americans um anybody really in the hispanic Latina culture because we share similarities, like you said, the Black community, but even to the White community because there is there is an educational element that can be learned from Hope Gatekeepers, and I believe that um, where I fit in maybe (laughs) is just to continue the conversation from a Black woman's perspective.
0: I love that you know
1: to shed light on our experiences right. and to because i'm all about education i'm all about education i'm all about empowering and encouraging and if i can like you said encourage and empower someone who listens to this and maybe motivate them to getting the help they need and to realizing there's nothing wrong with you you might love jesus but you might still need therapy. <laughs> right. can I name <laughs> it's, it's like if, if I can do that, then my job is done.
0: <laughs> right. I totally agree with that. Wow. Thank you so much for this time. You have been such a blessing. We thank you so much. Um, and listeners, if you want to learn more about Lucretius later and, you know, her journey, you can find her. You want to give her your um, Instagram?
1: Sure. I am Lucretia Slater. Well, Lucretia S. Slater at, uh, on Instagram. And I have a website www.lslater.com and Facebook. I'm also Lucretia S. Slater.
0: And then what is the title of your book?
1: Broken Narratives, Restoration and the Broken
0: Pieces of Our Lives. And I will definitely put all of her information, um, on the bottom of this podcast. And we just thank you so much again. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask questions. We are here. We're here to help and we just love you all and you just all take care and we will see you again. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for having me.